chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. And there are ESV Bibles underneath you. Um, and feel free to look that up or if you have your own Bible or a Bible app. And so we'll give you a moment to look that up. We'll also project the scripture uh, behind me. But again, it's Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. We're reading this in the ESV. And once you've found the scripture, uh, if you are able, if you could please stand if you're here in person. I always tell people at home, you're free to stand too (laughs) if you want to. Uh, And and, and I will read the scripture for us. We will all respond with uh, thanks be to God. But please stand as able, Ephesians chapter 2, verses 17 through 22. May the Lord bless the reading of God's word for us this morning. And he came and preached peace to you who were far off and peace to those who were near. For through him we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God, built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Amen. You may be seated. All right. Well, we are continuing on our sermon series on life, life period. We've been talking about how we take our faith into our lives. And one of the things that we're going to increasingly be talking about throughout the school year is how we do life together with other people. Because it's not just our individual lives. Oftentimes, I think that's the way we treat it uh, in the church and when it comes to Christianity, that there has been, uh, especially in the West, a great deal of emphasis on our individual faith. And that's important, friends. Don't get me wrong. But we are meant to do this thing together. So uh, today's uh, message is called Lives Built on Christ. And so I have a question for us. Um, And this is a question that I think really has come to light in light of COVID. And so uh, you can see this, this news article from the AP talks about millions skip church during the pandemic. Will they return? And that's a question that uh, a lot of pastors have nowadays, a lot of church leaders have, and maybe even you've had. Um, I've been meeting with some local pastors lately, and it just seems like there are, there are definitely some churches that are doing well, but there are a lot that are struggling. And a lot of them are struggling partially because uh, not a lot of people are coming out. And so, of course, you know, the safety concerns, that, that's very important. You know, we did the, the whole, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, streaming online church for, uh, you know, better part of a year, more, more than a year, actually. Um, and so, obviously, we have some people here in person. We're so glad to have you. But I think that there is this overall question. Why church? Why do we even need church? You know, and, and why do we have to do it in person, you know? Uh, maybe for some people, and, and uh, please don't take this the wrong way, I probably would be one of these people if I didn't have to get up here and preach every, every Sunday. Uh, but, you know, maybe some people are really, really liking going to church in their pajamas, you know? And uh, I remember for me, uh, it's maybe not the same thing, but when I was in college, I remember the first time that I missed the van. There was like a van that would pick us up and take us to church. And the first time I missed the van, it was like so sad because um, it, it was like I could see the van and, and I had woken up a little bit late, 
But I was like, oh, sh you know, the van's still here. You know, and so I'm walking over, and then the van starts taking off. And so I start running. And I'm like, wait, don't leave. And actually, there was a red light not that far. You know, and so the, the van stops at the red light. And I'm like, I think I'm going to make it. I think I'm going to make it. I get right next to the door. It turns green, and the van takes off. They didn't see me. Right? I'm like yelling too. I'm like, wait, wait. They're probably like, oh, there's some weird person yelling. And they just, they just went to church without me. And it was like the first time in a long time that I had skipped church. And it was like devastating. You know, I felt like such a bad Christian. And I went home and I had my own little worship. You know, there's no like streaming service back then. This was like in the mid 90s. And, you know, so, so I just had my own little worship service, read, read my own scripture. Uh, I was my own praise team, a cappella. You know, and just, you know, it was great because the service was like five minutes, you know, and I got to go back to bed right afterwards. And, you know, the next week, the next time I skipped church, it was a little easier not to go. You know, I didn't feel quite as bad. And the third time I skipped church, I don't think I felt bad at all. The fourth time I skipped church, nothing, you know. And so, friends, I'm just here to say that I think for me, too, I I just kind of wondered. I was like, you know, I could just worship God in my room. And maybe for some of us, we're like, yeah, and, you know, in, in 2021, I can worship God from my room, and you can literally go to any church in the world. You can go to Hillsong in Australia, right? And they've got the cool accents, and they got a, like a world-class praise band, you know, Grammy Award-winning praise band, you know? Who wouldn't want to go to that church, you know? And, and maybe for some of us, even just church itself, we wonder why. Why? What is the importance of it? And, and I think that that's a lot of what today's scripture is about and what today's message is about, is what is the basis of church? Right? Well, why do we do this crazy thing called church? And, and so um, let's take a look at the scripture. We read this, but it's, it's a pretty uh, short passage this morning, so I think it's worth reading it again. And so it says, and he came, and this being Jesus, he came and preached came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. And so if you were here last week, the message was about God's peace. And we actually read part of this passage. We read the, the first part of this passage, and now we're reading the second part. But this idea that Jesus is the one who's creating peace so that people can come together. People can come to him. But one of the things I always talk about when it comes to community is that if you're thinking that, I usually do this illustration uh, when I'm talking about, uh, you know, why we need to be around other people. Uh, but because of COVID, I just want you guys to imagine it because you'd have to get quite close. This is the hint <laughs> of like, uh, uh, because when you get close to Christ, let's just pretend that this podium right here is Christ and I'm far from Christ. Maybe some of you are a little bit closer, but we're not quite joined, united with Christ. And that's what we are aiming to do, right? And Jesus came preach and preached peace to those who are far and those who are close, and it doesn't matter, but we're all supposed to be brought near. So can you imagine all these other people who are scattered? They're all coming closer to Christ, and what's happening? I'm getting closer to Christ, but what's happening to my relationship with other people? As they're getting closer to Christ, we are getting closer to each other. You can probably see why we're not doing this with COVID, because all of our faces would be really close together right now, right? But this is what is happening metaphorically when it comes to the church, and it has to happen, friends. It is not something that is optional. We have created this in the West. 
we have made this great emphasis on individual faith, right? Because it's a very Western thing. You know, on our individual salvation. But in the Bible, and you'll even see this in this passage, church was never supposed to be, Christianity was never supposed to be a solo sport. It really wasn't. It's meant to be something that we do together. So Jesus is bringing us near to him, but also near to each other. It says, for through him, we both have access in one spirit to the Father. So we have one spirit, and that spirit is uniting us. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens. We all belong now to the same citizenship with the saints and members of the household of God. I mean, I think we all know just how divided we've been in this country, in this world even, right? It's just like, hey, you know, good guys and bad guys, or, you know, in-group and out-group. My people, your people. My race, your race. My country, your country. My state, your state. And it's all bogus, friends, but it is a part of human nature that we're always dividing, right? But you see what Jesus is doing here. He wants us to no longer be strangers. He wants there to no longer be any foreigners, no aliens. We are all fellow citizens together. Built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Christ Jesus himself being the cornerstone. We're going to talk in a moment about what a cornerstone is, right? Um, And it says, in whom the whole structure being joined together grows into a holy temple in the Lord. In him, you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I boldface the word you, because there's something that happens in English that we completely miss, as opposed to reading this in Greek or even in other languages. Because the problem with English is that the word you can be both singular and plural, right? Now, in the South, they have a great way of dealing with this. So when they're saying more than one person, like not just you as an individual, they say y'all, right? Or you all, or I don't know if some people say you guys or whatever, but in English, we don't have a natural word for plural you. But here in scripture, and actually in most cases, in many, many cases, these letters are not being written to individuals. Some of them are, right? Sometimes it's like Titus, you know, or Philemon or something like that, right? But many of them, it's the Ephesians. It's a whole community. Paul is not just talking to one person. He's talking to the whole church. Right? And so the word you here is plural. In him, you all, y'all, you guys, all of you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God by the Spirit. I love that. I love that imagery of what the community of Christ is supposed to be. You are supposed to be a dwelling place for God. By the way, that word by the Spirit, um, it's actually in the Greek, it says in the Spirit. In your ESVs, usually they'll have a little footnote, and it'll say or. And this is a little tip for reading your Bible. Whenever it says or, um, sometimes they'll say in some translations or something like that. And that literally means in some translations or in some, some uh, manuscripts, they have you know different things that are in there, right? Because people were not photocopying these things. They were writing them by hand, right? They were copying them over and over. Um, but when it says or, what they're telling you, the or, the or is the original Greek. So when it says or in, not by the Spirit, it's telling you the actual Greek says, in him, you, all of you also are being built together into a dwelling place for God in the Spirit. 
Right? So there's this beautiful thing that's happening. When we come together, this is the place where the Spirit of God dwells. Right? It's a little bit different than just thinking about church the way we do in the Western world. Where it's like, do I want to go to church? Maybe. Yeah, yeah. You know, I could use an inspiring word today or, you know, oh, yeah, I like my church. You know, they're lovely people. You know, all of those things are great. But what it's saying here is that what we are doing is we are becoming a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit. Remember how we have been talking this year about how there are different spirits that are operative, right? And for those of you who are newer, it's not as mystical or as, like, spooky as it might sound. I know maybe some of you come from backgrounds where, like, you hear the word spirit and you just think all these crazy things. But literally, there are spirits around us um, but, but to think of, like, the spirit of fear or the spirit of love, right? So you could have, like, a political candidate who wants to really get his people on his side or on her side and, and wants to whip them up in a frenzy to be against other people. It's really easy to do. It's, it's just part of human nature that we like us versus you, right, or us versus them. And so what they would do is they really whip up the spirit of fear, right? They get you to be afraid of the other or get afraid of this uncertain world that we live in. And that can really grip you, right? Maybe there's some of us, it's not a spirit of fear, like like a gripping fear, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die any moment kind of thing. But it's this low-level anxiety that you experience all the time. And many of us, we live that in this world. We are not at home. We are not at peace. And it definitely, if we're being really honest, right, it is definitely not a spirit of love. That's what we want to live in, by the Holy Spirit, to love like Jesus loves and to know that we are loved. We're not orphans. We're not pieces or specks of cosmic dust that are accidents. But we are loved by a holy God, created with intention for a purpose, Right? And that is such an earth-shattering thing. And if you can live in that spirit, it's different, isn't it? You're not as afraid. You're able to treat people in a different way. And one of the most difficult things about being a Christ follower is that we live in a world where we are so separated from each other, aren't we? We're on our own. It feels like that. And so often we go through life and we're like, man, this is so hard. And it's so hard because you just feel like you're doing it by yourself. And friends, does it surprise you for me to say that that was never God's intention? He didn't want you to do it alone. He didn't just call you as an individual. He called us to be a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit so we can experience that spirit of love. Right? And we can be transformed by that. We can dwell in it. The spirit of God that is in us creates the dwelling place for God. Right? And we can experience that, and it changes us. It changes your heart. It changes your mind. It changes your nervous system. This is what we are supposed to be experiencing when we come to church. It's not just an inspirational sermon. Right? Or just to see the friends that you like or to eat donuts as much as I like donuts. It is so that we can become the dwelling place of God, right? And really change, change from the inside out, that that the way that we love. You know, now, friends, I, I know we're not always at church, but this community is something that goes beyond just Sunday, right? 
And even if it's just Sunday for you, you know, you're just getting to know LGM or whatever church you may call your home for those who are visiting, you know, but that, that experience of being in the presence of other people who are also seeking this God and creating room for the Holy Spirit to work, it changes things. That's our hope, right? And so, friends, um, I just want to go back to that question, why church? And so I, I think that the easy answer is we're like, because we come for Jesus, Actually, uh, I used to sing this old praise song uh, when I was a kid, and there was motions to it. It's one of the, the songs that, that just, when, when I start humming in my mind, I start doing the motions. So I'm going to do it for you. It goes like this. I don't know what you came for, but I came to praise the Lord. Oh, I don't know what you came for, but I came to praise the Lord. I learned this song when I was 18 years old. I'm just kidding. It's for kids. But... <laughs> So, you know, like, like, it's like, why are you coming to church? And the answer that people always gave me when I was younger is you're coming to church for God. You're coming to church for Jesus. And that's not a bad answer, right? Remember, we just read, you're becoming a dwelling place for God, right? So, yes, God is absolutely involved, right? We're coming to build our lives on the cornerstone. But, friends, it's not just for Jesus, you're coming for other people, too, because it is, it is the community of Christ. It's meant to be a community, right? The you is not singular. It's plural, right? And so the, the answer I gave here is we have come to become the community of Christ, the kind of community he wants us to be, the dwelling place of God. That's why we're coming, right? That, that's supposed to be the reason. We're, we're going to try to unpack this a little bit more. But this community that God is creating, yes, there is an aspect in which this is what God desires, but God desires because it is good for you. Really? Right? Why did he create human beings? Do you think he needed us? God is the alpha and the omega. He doesn't need anybody. He doesn't need us. He created us out of love. He wants us. And he wants us to be his people. Right? And, and, and so we come to church to become his people, to learn how to do these things in community, right? Um, so friends, uh, let's go back to that idea of building our lives on the cornerstone so we can help see what it means for, you know, what are we doing? How do we do that? That sounds great, right? To say that we are meant to become the community of Christ, the kind of community he wants us to be. What, but what kind of community is that? How do we know that we're actually doing that? And so... It talks about building our lives on the cornerstone. And um, classically, what a cornerstone was is it would be the first brick or stone that you would lay when you were building a building. And so nowadays, we build buildings a little bit differently. But back then, you had to you know, know that you know, cement probably wasn't like readily available, you know? Uh, just like like the stones and the bricks and things that you're building probably were not all uniform in shape. And so you had to be a little bit more strategic about how you built. And so the first stone was very important. And so oftentimes you would pick the sturdiest stone that you could find. Oftentimes it probably would even be the biggest. And this would be the stone on which you build the rest of the foundation. It would go in the corner between two walls, right? So that it could support a lot more of the structure than just a random brick on the bottom or a random brick on the top, 
right? And so this would be the cornerstone, literally goes in the corner, right? And another thing about this is it would mark the way that you built the rest of the building, right? Because obviously, wherever you put the cornerstone, you would need to build the building around it, right? And so Jesus as the cornerstone is, it is an image that is supposed to make us think that our building his lives on him is, as it says in the Gospels, it's like a person building their house on the rock. It is solid. It is a sturdy foundation, right? And so your life will be rock solid. Your community will be rock solid if you build it on Jesus. But not only that, but we don't get to just build the community any way we want. I'm sorry, we don't. You know, sometimes I wish I could just make whatever kind of church I wanted to you know, but when you put the cornerstone, and let's say this cornerstone is huge, it's like the biggest stone, you're like, oh, there's a cornerstone here, it's perfect. Let's build our house around this stone, right? You don't get to pick where that goes, right? You don't get to pick exactly how this, this building is going to be built, but your job is now to build upon the base that is already there, and the base is Jesus. We have a great base. Now, friends, it sounds good. But I want us to understand that there are ways that we can go wrong because it sounds good, right? It seems like a really easy message to preach. Build your lives, build your community upon Christ. All right, bye. Bye, see you later, right? It's just obvious. You didn't really need me to tell you that. But friends, I think that there are many things we are building our, our churches, our communities on that are not of Christ. I don't think Christ is always the first concern because when we leave the church, or when we pick the church, Christ is usually not the consideration. Let's be honest. Maybe some of these other things are, are considerations. So let's take a look. Um, I've got just four quick things here. So the first one is our preference and our feelings. So you can see I put a giant Yelp symbol there uh, because I, I call it the Yelpification of church is that you can kind of like customize and choose, pick and choose the perfect church that you want right? There's so many choices out there. And it's almost like, you know, like when you're going to Yelp and you're trying to find a place to eat, you know, used to be back in the day, it's just like you'd have like one neighborhood restaurant. Everybody eats at Al's. There's no other game in town, right? You can't drive two towns over. You just eat at the local diner. That's it. But now with, with the world as it is, you can eat so many different places. You could drive an hour and a half to go to the best sushi place in town if you wanted to, right? And many of us do that. You know, and so, and, and we look at the ratings, we're like, okay, I don't want to just have sushi. I want to have the best sushi. And I know there's some people that when you look at Yelp and you look at something and you're like, this only has three stars. I'm not eating there. I'm not risking my stomach and my taste buds on that. You know, only four and a half stars and up, right? And there is this sense in which so much of modern life has been about choosing things that we like things that we prefer. And there's this hilarious um, uh, uh, video where it's, it's like making fun of like, or it's kind of like a parody on House Hunters. I guess there's a show, I've never seen it, but where people are looking for the perfect house, but it's called Church Hunters. And they, they go to these different churches and they're like, mm, I like the preaching, but uh, service is a little too long. You know, or I, I like the music. You know, I, it's, it's like Bethel, but we don't like the spontaneous stuff, you know, and they're just like trying to pick the perfect church for them, right? And, and just, you know, the, the, the irony is that it's just, it's all about them. It's not about Jesus, right? 
It's all about what they want. And I think that this is something that is very easy for us to fall into. And some people might say, well, Pastor Steve, don't we have to make choices? Yeah. You know, and, and if you do have a choice, wouldn't you want to go to a better church? I don't know. There, there's uh, Eugene Peterson who uh, wrote the message translation um, and just, just this rock-solid pastor. He passed away in 2018. Uh, but I heard that uh, Eugene Peterson didn't really become a famous writer and pastor until much later in his life. And for most of his life, and, and I think up until the day he died, um, well into his 80s, he attended a church that had about 80 people. And, and people used to ask him, they'd be like, Pastor Peterson, I'm looking for a church. What, what, what guidance would you give me for that? And what he would tell people, <laughs> these are not my words, this is uh, <laughs> Eugene Peterson. He would say, go find the closest church to you that's small and stay there for six months. After six months, you can evaluate whether or not, you know, how it's going. And it's so different, right? It's so different than the way that we look at at church today. And people were like, why small? Okay, I kind of get the, the, the local part, you know, the just close uh, church that's by you in your community, right? But why small? He said, because at small churches, you're going to have to learn how to love people like Jesus loves. Because when you go to a big church, and to be honest, this is the reason why a lot of people go to big churches, is because you can just be anonymous, right? Every week, you're sitting by new people, right? You know, um, I, I, I shouldn't be too judgy. I don't know, but I know for me that when I go to visit churches, when I'm taking breaks from LGM, I often look for big churches <laughs> so that I can just kind of be in the crowd, right? And there's something kind of nice about that, safe even, right? But maybe the problem with that is that Eugene Peterson's like, if you go to a small church, man, and you don't like somebody, you're going to have to learn how to love them. And it's going to have to be an act of the Holy Spirit. Right? You're going to have to learn to rely upon God to love these people. And that's what church is about. It's not all about what we want, but it's about what God is doing within us. Right? So wouldn't that be maybe a better question to ask? God, where do you want me to be? Where is the place where I can grow together with these people? Not just me. right? Not just, it's not all about me. But we can grow to be a dwelling place of God. The second thing is commonality. And so I, I think it's very, just, just very much human nature that we find a church where we have things in common with other people or we like the other people, right? Or there's a lot of people our age or, I mean, you know, the elephant in the room is Living Grace Ministry. We attract, you know, majority uh, Asian Americans, right? And young Asian Americans, you know? And by the way, it's never been in our mission statement to do that. It's just, you know, we, we've always had young Asian Americans come, and that's who we attract, you know, and that's who feels comfortable coming usually, you know. Um, and so this is not meant to be an indictment. I'm not telling you guys to go home. Please stay. Please stay. I, I know I think someone's just using the restroom, but. <laughs> she, yeah, yeah. I, 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 yeah. <laughs> Sorry, I didn't mean to call you out like that. It's just bad timing. Um, but I think that there, there is a sense in which many of us, we like to be around people who are like us, and we like them because they are like us. You know? But to say that we are building our church on Christ means 
that that's our reason, right? That's why we pick church, right? That, that's why we go to church. We go to church to build the community of Christ, and it is not about people who we happen to like or people who are easier to like, right? And you actually see this in the scripture where it says he's bringing people who are far and people who are near. And do you know who he was talking about here? Who was Paul specifically talking about? He was talking about Jews and Greeks, Jews and Gentiles. That, that for, for Paul, he was ethnically and religiously, in his background, he was a Jew. And there were many people that Paul was called to preach to who were not Jewish, right? They were just Greek or, you know, from the, the local area where the Jews happened to live. They didn't have their own nation at this time. Well, it was starting to get scattered, right? Um, increasingly scattered. And so there were a lot of people that were like, Paul, why are you preaching to these non-Jewish people? Didn't Jesus come for the Jews? Isn't he the Jewish Messiah? There are people who like literally just like, like they, they gave Paul such a hard time about this, right? They're like, no, we got to stick with the Jewish people, right? But for Paul, he's like, no, the basis for church, the basis for community is not the fact that we all are Jewish. It's Jesus. And Jesus is loving and forgiving and reconciling sinners. And it doesn't matter if you've never heard of God before. Jesus still died for that person who's way over there. And the Jewish people, they felt this sense of, of superiority because they're like, oh, no, 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 we're the chosen people. We're closer to God. We're holier. Why wouldn't he call us? Why wouldn't you want to minister to these people? And Paul's like, no, he himself is our peace. He is the one who brings us to God. Jesus and Jesus alone, not our commonalities, right? And so, friends, um, it's just something we have to be aware of. I'm not saying that, that we need to fix this overnight, right? But to be aware that when we are attracted to something or more likely not attracted. You know, maybe there's a gathering where we join with some other churches and maybe we join with a church where people don't look as much like us. Or we're going out into communities where there are people who are very, very different. And just all of a sudden, we feel a little bit unsafe or we feel a little bit like we're sticking out like a sore thumb. Friends, what joins us together is Christ. It's not our commonality. It's not the fact that we look like each other. It's not the fact that we feel comfortable around each other, right? The third thing is personal growth. And so I've already mentioned this a little bit, so I won't go into great detail, but I think that there is this feeling that I go to church for me to grow closer to Christ. And that, I think, is, is, is good. Don't get me wrong. I come to church to grow closer to Christ, too. You know, but the problem is, is that when you prioritize that above becoming the community that God wants us to be, when you feel like you're not growing the way that you want to, oftentimes people will leave that community, right? It becomes about what you want and not what God desires to do. Does that make sense? It's subtle, right? Because you can crouch that in, or you can, uh, um, you can, uh, Explain that in very Christian-sounding language. You know, people would say things like, you know, Pastor Steve, I'm just not growing at this church. You know, I, I just, just my spirit's not being fed. You know, but what you will notice about those statements, it's all I, 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 me, me, me. But what we are meant to be is a community together. And by the way, if we're all growing, you're growing too, right? Yes, you should be growing. 
But this feeling of like, ah, you know, this church just isn't doing it for me. And oftentimes when we look for churches, even with the best intentions, oftentimes we are thinking, is this church going to help me grow spiritually? And and I just want to encourage you. I just want to challenge you to maybe just tweak that a little bit. Instead to say, is this a place where we can all grow together? It's a little bit different. Does that make sense? Yeah? And then the last one, and this is maybe the, more, the most insidious, the, the, the most, um, th- this is the one that I think we don't always identify, and we think we are doing something very spiritual. Um, I thought this too until recently, is oftentimes we are building our community based on the idea of the ideal spiritual community. We want our churches to be perfect. We we have a great vision for our church, and we think our church should be this way. And if it's not, we get really discontent. We get really content, like, ah, pastor, he's just, just the the sermon's like, you know, it's not, like, there's a couple things that that were doctrinally problematic. You know, ah, man, the praise team, like, like at the other church, like, like, they're just more into it. They're more spiritual. The leaders here, they're not praying enough. Or just, you know, we're not as welcoming as we should be. And friends, this is not supposed to be an excuse for us to be lazy or for us to not care. But I read uh, in the past few years, uh, I've really been getting into a book. I I try to read it at least once a year. It's called Life Together by Dietrich Bonhoeffer. It's a great book. Uh, It's amazing. And when I read it, the first time I read it, excuse my French, but it pissed me off. I read it and it made me angry. And I was like, what? I just felt so accused. <laughs> I felt like, uh, like, like Dietrich Bonhoeffer died like a long time ago, you know? But I, I just was like, who are you to judge me in my church? You know, I want to read something for you. That, that this idea of, of like you have a dream for your Christian community. You're like, oh man, I just wish my church would be like this. And, and Dietrich Bonhoeffer, I think, rebukes that. And I'm going to read for you uh, just a portion uh, of, of life together. He says, those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Even though their personal intentions may be ever so honest, earnest, and sacrificial, God hates this wishful dreaming because it makes the dreamer proud and pretentious. Those who dream of this idolized community demand that it be fulfilled by God, by others, and by themselves, they enter the community of Christians with their demands set up by their own law and judge one another and God accordingly. It is not we who build. Christ builds the church. Whoever is mindful to build the church is surely well on the way to destroying it. For he will build a temple to idols without wishing or knowing it. Those who love their dream of a Christian community more than they love the Christian community itself become destroyers of that Christian community. Have you ever seen that happen? Right? Like where you just become so discontent because you're like, we're not doing this, we're not doing this, our churches are perfect enough, and you just become so angry. You become so bitter. It divides you from the church. And so one of the things that Bonhoeffer says is that, you know what makes a church? There's one thing that makes a church, one thing and one thing alone. Christ. That's it. It's not your doctrinal correctness. 
It is not your ability to love other people. It is not doing everything perfectly and following the Bible perfectly. It is Christ. Christ is the only thing that makes a church a church. That's why, you know, maybe you had some questions when you heard me say what Eugene Peterson's uh, advice was, like, go find the smallest church you can find that's close by and stay there for six months. And maybe some of you are like, yeah, but Pastor Steve, what kind of church is this? What denomination? Whatever. What makes a church a church is Christ. If you are worshiping a dolphin, then don't go to that church. (laughs) It's not a church of Jesus Christ, right? But if you are worshiping Jesus, then it's a church, full stop, right? And and, and one of the things that it says here, and, and I think it bears repeating, is that Jesus came and preached peace to you who are far off and peace to those who are near. In other words, there are people who are farther, There are people whose lives don't look as much like Jesus now. And there are going to be imperfect people at your church. It's kind of the point. Because by the way, if you had a bunch of people who acted like they're perfect, chances are they really aren't, right? And chances are they they have a lot of pride and a lot of judginess, and they probably think they're better than other people. One of the marks of a true Christian community in my opinion in, in my experience, is humility. is just utterly knowing that you are not God. You're nowhere close, right? And being in a community where we're not like judging other people all the time and we're like, oh, you should be this way. Why aren't our leaders more spiritual? But we're just like, man, we're all broken. I'm broken too. Oh man, maybe that leader's having a hard time. It really seems like they're not very prepared for small group. You know, maybe I should pray for them more. Maybe I should see if something's wrong instead of being like, man, I can't believe this church. Man, if we were a true church, then you would all prepare. Friends, is that really church? Right? But it should be a place where we realize that we are not perfect. None of us are. And so, friends, I, I want to close by, by thinking of, I, I want to share with you, um, it, it, this is a very well-worn um, story, but there are two people who are building a wall. So one guy is building the wall, and he's just, he's just, you know, got that sour worker's face where he's just like, psh, psh, psh. he's just doing his job. And someone asks him, like, what are you doing? He's like, I'm building a wall. What does it look like I'm doing, right? And there's another guy who's, who's doing the same thing, exact same thing, exact same work, but just has so much joy and peace. And, and, and you go up to that person, you say, hey, what are you building? He says, I'm building a cathedral. Friends, we aren't just coming to church. We're not just singing songs. We are becoming a dwelling place for God in the Holy Spirit. It's such a cool thing. It's such a cool opportunity. And I know, I know we're not perfect. LGM is not perfect. Your pastor is not perfect. But you aren't coming here to worship me. You're not coming here to worship your leaders. You are coming here to learn how to be the community of Christ. All of us are. And that takes imperfect people who have to depend with everything that they are on the grace of Jesus Christ. We need to keep coming to that place of humility, right? Because you're going to get broken people. I mean, friends, I don't know all of your stories, but would it be too bold for me to say some of you are broken? You're not perfect. 
And if you were to come into a perfect church, you would think like, man, I got to clean up my act or at the very least pretend like my act is cleaned up if I want to belong here. And no wonder. So many people are like, you know what? I just would rather just stay in my pajamas all day and just go back to bed. If I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning and just get judged or feel like I don't belong, or if it's just a nice message, what is the point? But if you were coming to become a dwelling place for the Holy Spirit, being a place where we can experience this life-changing grace. We can live in the spirit of love. And when you go out into the world and you try to love other people, you're a little bit less afraid. You're a little bit bolder. When you're facing your work, when you're going through so many things that used to bring you so much anxiety, you know that God is with you because you experienced it on Sunday. And you experience it in your small group. And there are times where you're feeling alone and you're feeling broken and you're feeling like the worst sinner and piece of crap, but there's somebody in your phone that you know is also an imperfect sinner who is trying to experience the grace of Christ. Somebody from your small group. There's somebody that you know and you can message them and be like, yo, can you just pray for me right now? We're not meant to do this alone, right? We're not meant to do this alone. And it's such a beautiful thing that we have. Friends, I just want to end like this. I think one of the things that is a mark of the church is it's not always about us. If we are all mutually caring for each other, then we get built up. So I want to do something a little bit different. Because usually when we do communion, we just go straight into the communion, and then we'll like pray afterwards. But can we just take a moment to just pray for the church? And when I say that, maybe there's some people that you want to pray for just in your life, or maybe some people at LGM, maybe there's some people that you haven't seen in a while, you have no idea what they're doing. Maybe there's someone at church that you're like, I feel like there's something between us. I feel like there's some hostility. I feel like maybe they don't feel completely comfortable coming to church. Maybe there's just somebody or there's a community. Maybe for you, you want to pray for your church back home. Maybe you're like, yeah, you know, my old youth pastor, he or she just really seemed kind of strung out. Let's just take a moment. Can, we, can you pray for them? That would be awesome. Maybe, maybe there's someone that you just have lost touch with. Let's just take a moment to pray for those people. And just, friends, if you could do this with me, th- this is how I like to pray for people especially if I have to pray for a large amount of people, is I don't know exactly how to pray for them. But what I'll do is I'll just bless them. And this is what I do. I I try to picture their face. So picture their face smiling. And the reason why I say smiling is because I think it's just easier to pray for people when you see them smiling. It just kind of fills your heart with warmth. And and I I definitely do this when I'm praying for enemies. (laughs) It's so easy to picture their face scowling. But if you picture their face smiling, I just feel like it's just like that much easier to bless them. So friends, you can just very simply say, God, would you bless this person? You know what's best for them. Would you bless my church back home? Would you bless this pastor or this leader? You guys could pray for your small group leaders. You guys could pray for um, your friends who also go to LGM or maybe who are going to a different church. You could pray for them too. 
It doesn't just have to be one person. I'm going to give you one more minute to do this, friends. I just think this would be just such an awesome thing. So I want to challenge you. If you've already prayed for somebody, think of one more person. Could you do that? Or one more community, one more church, one more group that you could pray for right now. And just bless them. Precious God, I'm just so grateful for this place where we can pray for one another. We're not perfect. Some of us maybe feel like we're closer. Some of us feel like we're farther. And yet Jesus came to die for all of us. And the basis of our community, the basis in which we can even come to you, it is not our own goodness. It is not our own perfection. It's not how how well we are following some ideal of what church is but it is your grace. It is your son, Jesus Christ. God, I just pray blessings on all the people that have been lifted up this morning, all the churches and communities, all the leaders. God, wherever they may be, will you bless them and keep them and make your face to shine upon them and be gracious to them? Will you lift up your countenance upon them and give them your peace now and always? In Jesus' name we pray, amen.